So I'm a father of one. I gotta find a babysitter. I found care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your childcare necessities, check out care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your childcare needs. It's the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BOL, with you once again. It is a Thanksgiving extravaganza podcast this time around. We're going to have two of our big hitters on the website joining us on this edition of the Bama Online Podcast. First, we'll have Charlie Potter. Does an outstanding job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide for us on a daily basis. And then we'll wrap with recruiting analyst Hank South. So we're going to have you covered every which way but loose. And as we get things going, it is Charlie Potter. And Charlie, man, we've got a little bit of everything going on. We've got Alabama women's basketball, Alabama men's basketball. we got a twi-night doubleheader set for Wednesday. Uh, we've got Thanksgiving on Thursday. You told us on a previous podcast you're headed home to Boaz for the, for the dinner on Thanksgiving night. Uh, and then of course we had the iron bowl on Saturday. So I'm not exactly where to start, where we should start. We're going to fill in some blanks, by the way, for both Alabama men's basketball and Alabama football in advance of the iron bowl on Saturday. So we're going to have you covered from that perspective, but, uh, Charlie, you excited about heading home, having dinner with the folks on Thursday? For the most part, yeah. Uh, you mentioned you know going home. I think we've talked about it before. Uh, my parents are catering this year, and that's not really – you can tell by my voice. Uh, I'm not really jazzed about that, but I get it. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, you know, my parents are older. My mom's not just the best of health, so I think it was just a – it's probably the right move. Uh, by my parents and you know we talked about it before we started recording uh you mentioned how myself and, and my two sisters should probably step up but yeah, i mean step I, up I, step I, up you can get off your soapbox for a minute because <laughs> i was gonna say if i knew going into it that i was going to a thanksgiving dinner that either myself or my sisters were cooking i might just stay at home <laughs> so my, i will say my brother-in-law if, if i knew he was you know cooking something on the grill or, or handling the turkey then yeah you make the trip but uh other than that yeah i mean not a lot to ride home for for the three of us I'll sh- i should say so it might have to be a cracker barrel thanksgiving <laughs> if it was left up to the offspring is that what you're telling me here maybe yeah. a, a waffle house Thanksgiving. You know, one of our big traditions around our house is that Christmas morning every year, you know what we do? We go to Waffle House. We have breakfast at Waffle House every year on Christmas. I don't know why or how. I guess maybe we were we were traveling one year uh, during Christmas, and we actually spent Christmas Eve in a hotel somewhere traveling. And Christmas morning, that's pretty much all you had was the Waffle House. And I think ever since then, that's what we've done. But all that matters, right, Charlie, is the time spent with loved ones. That's what matters most. 
It really does. And to your point about Waffle House, the wife and I actually do that because, you know, being married to someone that's a health professional, she has to work on, you know, holidays all the time. And Mm -hmm. when she has to work on Christmas and, you know, we don't get to go home, um, you know, she's not a huge Waffle House fan. So I have to kind of twist her arm a little bit. But whenever you kind of get the idea of, hey, let's not you know cook anything, Waffle House is a go to. But you know, for this year, especially, you know, just going home and, and seeing family, I know, you know, travel is, is kind of questionable. But um, you know, I think everyone in my family has done a, a decent job of, of social distancing and, you know, basically just staying at home unless you have to, to leave. And you know, it'll be good to see everybody. It's it's been a while. Uh, it's been a crazy year. So these time uh, together and spent together is always a, a welcome sight. Yeah, more precious uh, than we typically uh, credit it for uh, in previous years, no doubt about it. So what we're going to have on Wednesday is sort of a basketball appetizer before our Thanksgiving spreads on Thursday. And of course, we'll get into some Iron Bowl talk coming up later in the podcast as well. Um, the Jacksonville state Gamecocks, and you did hear from Nate Oates on Tuesday in advance of the 2020, 2021 season opener on Wednesday night at Coleman Coliseum, all systems go correct. Charlie, as of the recording of this podcast on Tuesday night, uh, we're anticipating the Jacksonville state Gamecocks 13 to 19 a year ago, seventh in the Ohio Valley conference. Just one returning starter back for the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. We're anticipating the ball in the air shortly after 7 Central on Wednesday evening. That's still a go as of this recording, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, we heard from Nate Oates on Tuesday, and he said it a couple of times now. They haven't had any COVID issues since August, and you know that's a good thing. I know he had it uh, back in the summer. A few players had it as well, but they haven't really had any any type of issues since then. And he also made it a point to say that you know he thinks Jacksonville State's in a good spot as well. So um, you know they're looking forward to it. We heard from him, uh, John Petty, and Jaden Shackelford, and. Um, you, know, you, you can tell that there's some buzz around this team and that they, you know, believe it, it's real. They believe in the buzz. They believe that they're going to be good. And, you know, one of the big takeaways for me was uh, asked John Petty just about, you know, what we should expect to see from this team because there are so many new faces with, you know, six newcomers, three guys that didn't play at all last year. And he said the expectations for this team are, are going to be high, but they're ready for it. They're real ready. That was his his quote. And, uh, you know, he said it with, a, with an emphasis. Nate Oates fed into it, too. So, um, I know it's been a long off season. It's been, it, it seems like it's been two years really since, um, you know, the team was, was shut down right before they were supposed to play Tennessee in the SEC champion or the SEC tournament up in Nashville. But, uh, it's been a long time coming, but basketball season is going to start you know, fingers crossed. They can continue, but, uh, everything seems system go for, for Wednesday night in Coleman Coliseum. Yeah, Nate Oates, like a lot of coaches out there, right? He has some thro- strong thoughts on, how quarantining and contact tracing and those things are going to be especially impactful. It looks like on college basketball, because Alabama right now looks like one of the fortunate out there. You talk about being thankful, being able to apparently get its season off uh, on the scheduled date. When you look at Tennessee and you look at Florida and you look at Ole Miss just around the sec right now, um, it seems like he too uh, is is questioning under the current uh, protocol uh, how viable it is to sustain a season with, with any type of you know extended period of time. 
Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, you use the word thankful. That's kind of how I led my story off because, of course, it's you know Thanksgiving week and you're, you're glad to be tipping off the season. But they haven't had any positive cases since August and they were able to get all 30 of their preseason practices in. And that's not, you know, that, that, a lot of teams can't say that they can't make that claim. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he kind of went on a little bit of a mini rant. And that's one of the things I like about Oates is he's very transparent. And he tells you what he thinks. And, um, you know, he he talked about how you know with with teams and if you have one positive case you know you have to shut down for two weeks you know that's not the best system in the world i get you have safety in mind but you know that's not um that doesn't bode well for you know having a season and not having any kind of hiccups for really any team so um i don't know if that's going to change if that's something in the works or anything like that something being discussed but and that's also something that um you know nick saban brought up whenever you you know he i think he was on his radio show or condensed radio show when they had two weeks off it just you know, the, the contact tracing is the the big thing and that's what uh that's how so many teams have these hiccups and they have to postpone games and, and not play so with basketball you know they're not playing once a week they're playing multiple times a week i mean alabama next week is going to play three games in three days uh, over in Asheville for the maui invitational and you know if, if, if they were to come down with a um you know an outbreak or the team that they're playing does the same that's three games off of your schedule so um yeah i think for basketball it's going to be really interesting and intriguing to see how it plays out but i know some coaches just kind of you know are left scratching their head at some of the protocols and things in place at the moment yeah, going to be tough to sustain under the current setup, no doubt about it. Now, from an injury perspective, you've mentioned Jawan Gary on previous uh, podcasts with us, the uh, the second-year wing who had the knee injury like James Rojas a year ago. Uh, what's the status for him going into the opener and really for this team in general health-wise? Yeah, Gary's really the only one that uh, I think is questionable for the game. Of course, you know Alex Shiku, the uh, incoming freshman, has that Achilles injury. He's going to be out for the season. But you know, Gary's the only one uh, that sounds like he's not going to be able to go. Um, you know, Nato's made it sound like there's a chance, but most of the time, if he says there's a chance, it's you know it's very unlikely. And but he did say he's very very close. And it is you know the injury that he dealt with last year. I think his uh, you know knee injury was a lot worse than James Rojas's and. Uh, um, he's been able to practice. He's been able to do some things more and more. And um, I think it's just a matter of you don't want to rush it back and make things worse, obviously. And that's that's the case with a lot of these injuries. But um, other than, than Gary, uh, Nato said that they're as healthy as they can be at this stage. So that's good news. And you know, he went on to kind of talk about you know the starting lineup and rotations. And he said he's going to try to play all 11 available scholarship players. And when he said that, wow. obviously that – that doesn't include Chiku and Juwan Gary. So everybody else, I think they're going to try to get involved early and then they're going to dwindle that you know, down as, as the non-conference schedule progresses and, and get it down to eight or nine whenever SEC play comes around. But for the most part, they're healthy. You know, you cross your fingers that they can stay healthy both on the court and from a COVID standpoint, but you know, they're in a good spot right now. And let's kind of tie basketball in to our uh, fill in the blank segment for this edition of the Bama online podcast. Let's get those going with this one, Charlie newcomer. You're most interested in seeing on the floor for Alabama hoops Wednesday night against Jacksonville state is 
he's not technically a newcomer, but I'm going with Javon Quinterly. I know he's been on this team, but he's going to be a new face. And that's really, you know, to me, they have six newcomers, but they have nine overall players that haven't played in a game in an Alabama uniform. I know that Javon, uh, Javon Quinterly has practiced. He practiced all last year, but he had to sit out because of NCAA transfer rules. So he's a new player for this team. And especially whenever you lose Kyra Lewis um, you know, to the NBA draft, who was a lottery pick. And, uh, you know, that, that benefits your program. You want to keep that, um, or you want to replace that as much as possible. And, uh, I wrote about Javon, uh, during the, the off weeks when Alabama basketball wasn't playing and, and really just how he is so eager to get back on the court. And, and Nate Oates believes that he's a guy that, you know, can, can make up for what they lost in Cairo Lewis. You know, he's maybe not as athletic, but just in terms of getting to the rim and distributing the ball to his teammates, uh, you know, he can do that. And, uh, you know, he's a shooter. There was times whenever, you know, last year that they said that he might've been you know, the best player uh, on the court in some practices. So I'm excited to finally see Quinterly, uh, playing a game. If I was going to go with a true newcomer, I'd probably go with Jordan Bruner just because I think he's going to play a ton of minutes, but you know, just with losing Kyra, I, I think I'm, I'm most intrigued to see what Javon Quinterly can do. Yeah. It's hard to go against Quinterly, especially when you talk about the significance of the position he's stepping into and what Kyra was able to do and, and what they'll look to get out of Quinterly is sort of the catalyst perhaps of this team. And, you know, just in terms of excitement and dynamic ability, and you're right about Jordan Bruner too, in my opinion, uh, coming in from Yale as the grad transfer. I just want to see what Josh Primo is all about. Right. I just want to see exactly, you know, what we're talking about here in terms of athleticism and and upside. And, you know, a guy, too, that before it's all said and done could be very important to exactly what the ceiling is for this Alabama team. But uh, as far as the, the, the price of admission and guys that are worth it, you get the feeling that Josh Primo might be one of those guys. Josh Primo might be one of those guys that. You know, even when he makes a mistake, you're kind of in ooh and ah mode a little bit. So, you know, I just want to see exactly where this young guy's at. I, I, I think, uh, I think Quinterly and and Bruner, though, if you're talking about guys early in the season that you know, Alabama's obviously going to lean on a lot, those would be two excellent choices. Now, we'll shift gears and get into Iron Bowl mode a little bit here with Charlie Potter, uh, Alabama's place atop the initial college football playoff rankings on Tuesday night, as we saw, uh, it means blank, Charlie, what does it mean? (laughs) Nothing really. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I I always harken back to the, the first ever college football rankings when they came out and I don't remember the order they were in, but it was Florida state Auburn and both Mississippi schools. So things can change a lot. Now, to me, you know, when you look at the rest of Alabama's schedule and how it shakes out, I think Alabama is still going to be in the mix there in the college football playoff, even if they have a loss. It obviously mean, or it will depend on you know, when that takes place. But Alabama is in good shape. But you know, I, I think it was right after they cracked the, the top ranking in the, the AP poll and the, the coaches polls, so after Clemson lost to Notre Dame, um, Nick Saban was even asked us about that number one ranking and, and he said it means nothing at all right now. And of course, you know, that's what you would expect him to say, but 
you know, he wanted to talk about, especially this year, because, you know, it's very, very difficult at this point in the season to know who's really established just because so many teams have played different amounts of games. You know, you look at the Pac-12, they've only had you know, two and three games under their belt. Um, you know, BYU comes in surprisingly at number 14 and they've played nine games. Uh, but that's, of course, you know, has a lot to do with who they've played. So there's still a lot to, to figure out. I think we know enough about Alabama, but they still have some tough tests ahead. And I think, like, again, they're in a good spot. And if everything plays out and they went out, they're going to stay at number one and, you know, play in New Orleans. But right now, it, it doesn't mean a lot because things can change. And uh, it, it always makes me laugh to go back and look at that first uh, that first playoff rankings with the teams they had in there and how quickly that shifted uh, before the final rankings came out. Yeah, I think it means a lot more down the road. And your point about the initial 2014 rankings in retrospect, yeah, it is interesting to consider now with Ole Miss and Mississippi State in there. But if you're an Ole Miss or Mississippi State fan, six years later, you're looking back on that and going, wow, man, we were once there. Now, Alabama's pretty much lived there for about the last 12, 13 years, but I think it's something down the road that you kind of just throw on that massive and ever-growing heap of accomplishments, and it's in that uh, it's in that realm more so than what you outlined there as far as what it means right now. Not not much at all. Yeah, and Charlie, one thing too I want to add: just looking through Alabama's game notes before this game, I didn't see anything about the college football playoff. <laughs> so that goes to show you you always see you know the AP poll streaks and everything like that. And Alabama knows this is coming out this week and there's nothing in there. So that goes also to show, you know, where they're, they're thinking right now, they'll, they'll, of course they'll publicize it on social media and everything like that. But uh, again, it's just, it is, I agree completely with what you said down the road is going to be of a lot more importance. It's nice in recruiting, but I, I think even for recruits, they've become even maybe a little desensitized to it. It's what they expect. You know, the only way it would be news is if Alabama wasn't there at mm-hmm. this point, right? Yep. How about uh, as far as this Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium, for the Alabama defense, its most important player against the Auburn Tigers will be blank. This is tough for me uh, just because I think there's there's a lot of different avenues you could go, but I'm going to go with um, Christian Harris, and I think he had a great game against Kentucky. I think – Obviously, we all know that Kentucky was shorthanded and Auburn's better than Kentucky. But, um, you know, if he plays like he did and uh, that defensive front, you can get some pressure on Bo Nix and they can stop the run, then, you know, Auburn's going to have a tough time seeing success. And Christian Harris is another year older. He has a Dylan Moses beside him who can help line up the defense. You don't have those two true freshmen out there anymore. You have a a grizzled veteran in Moses and and another year older Christian Harris. And, um, I just think that the linebacker play, if it's strong against Auburn, uh, then Alabama is going to, you know, have a lot of success on both sides of the ball. Cause they're going to get off the field and get the ball back to their offense. So you know, for me, I could have gone either one of the inside linebackers. Honestly, you can name anybody on the defensive front, because if you stop the run and get pressure on Bo Nix, uh, it's going to be a long day at the office for Auburn. So I went with Christian Harris just because he's coming off of a, a pretty decent game. And if he can stack these up, you know, I think he continues to build confidence and you know, he's going to be playing uh, even better toward the end of the season. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with the other inside linebacker. I think it's time to see kind of the Dylan Moses we've expected to see on a more consistent basis this season. And that's understanding the injury he's coming off. And as much as anything, the position switch, because I think if Dylan Moses was still at weak side linebacker, it, it would be a different guy we're seeing. I think it's pretty obvious in some situations that, you know, with the responsibilities that come with the move to Mike, uh, it's been tough. Uh, you know, he continues to try to work through that, but, uh, those two guys in the middle and the inside there, uh, they're going to have plenty of opportunities against this Auburn offense, which is zone read heavy, uh, quarterback runs. I, I think Alabama say, I, you know, look, we could go all around the defense in a mm-hmm. game like this, but, um, you know, I, my next guys would probably be the corners because I think they're probably going to be in man coverage a good bit against Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz, you know, Eli Stowe, those guys, uh, because you're going to try to get an extra body or two in there against that Auburn run game. But I think it's Dylan Moses for me. Um, you know, I, I, I look, I don't think he's anywhere close to being in jeopardy of losing his job. Uh, but you, you note stuff like this too. And it was interesting to see Josh McMillan first guy back in there, uh, against Kentucky, it was a blowout. So again, you know, this wasn't in the second quarter or anything when this happened, uh, we did see Christian Harris work at the Mac in the dime a little bit. Again, a lot of this stuff, you're sort of, you know, getting guys reps in case of certain situations too, but this is an opportunity for Dylan to, to kind of be that guy on a, on a really big stage. So I'll go with Dylan Moses there. You like Christian Harris. You're right. Christian with a very productive game against Kentucky last Saturday. And now I'm going to ask you the same question for the offense, Charlie, the most important offensive player for Alabama against Auburn on Saturday will be. Yeah, I was going to go with Dylan, but I figured you might lean that way too, but I'm going to take the obvious pick on offense and say Mac Jones and, you know, Mac is a guy, I thought he played pretty well against Auburn last year. It was his first start on the road ever. Uh, of course, everyone knows the two pick sixes. One, of course, was, was Mac's uh, fault. The other was just a fluky play. Uh, but coming off a game where he kind of forced the ball a little bit against Kentucky, you know, he had an interception. He should have had a couple more. Um, you know, does he bounce back and, and maybe, you know, take what the defense gives him and, and, um, you know, not try to force it downfield to, to Smitty because, you know, he said in the past that Devonte is even a little bit open, even if he's not, he trusts him to, you know, throw the ball up and to come down with it. But, you know, in, in a game like the iron bowl, uh, even though it's not going to be the hectic atmosphere that we're used to, you know, those are costly. Just look at what happened last year. And so I think Mac is a better player. He's obviously improved tremendously since last year's game. And I think that's going to kind of sit with him a little bit that, you know, you, of course he said this week about stats and what he takes away from last year's iron bowl that, you know, the only numbers that they care about are, are wins and losses, but you don't want to be that guy that lost to Auburn twice and you're only two starts against them. So I think he wants to play better, you know, play more under control improve from last week and, and uh, learn from the mistakes that he made. And if he plays, you know, the games that we've seen him play this season, this offense is going to see a lot of success. That's going to open things up for Najee Harris in that running game. So um, it was not quite the, the Auburn defensive front they faced last year, not quite the Auburn defense they faced last year, but I mean, they can still, you know, pose some problems. So I think if Matt goes out there, plays within himself and plays his game, Alabama can, can have a big day on offense. Yeah, I'm going to go with Najee Harris. Um, 
you know, he had the big game at Auburn last year, 146 rushing yards, uh, also caught four passes for 26 or so. This is an Auburn defense right now that ranks 10th in the SEC in rushing defense. Gave up over 220 yards last Saturday to Tennessee. You said it. There's not a Derrick Brown up front. There's not a Marlon Davidson. Right now, there's not a K.J. Britt at middle linebacker. Owen Papo, uh, Zacoby McClain, they're solid players. Don't get me wrong. They're a little bit undersized. So in going against this Alabama offensive line, I guess you could kind of extend it to the guys up front too. the Alabama run game in general. Uh, I'm going to go Najee. I think Najee has a chance to uh, to have one of those memorable Iron Bowl performances by an Alabama running back. And there's been a few guys in the past that have done that really on both sides of this rivalry. Uh, but I'm going to go with Harris, I think, in that one. So uh, uh, let's get into this. Let's get a little bit beyond the Iron Bowl, Charlie. And uh-huh. for our final fill-in-the-blank, on December the 5th, Alabama will play in blank. We're talking about SEC towns. On December the 5th, we know Alabama is scheduled to play in Fayetteville. Is, in your opinion, is Alabama going to play in Fayetteville? Is going to play somewhere else? I think right now I would go with playing in Baton Rouge, and you know for for a few reasons. I think they've wanted to make up this um, Alabama LSU game uh, one because it makes a lot of money on TV. CBS has lost two games in a row, and if they have Alabama LSU on a Saturday, millions of people are going to tune in to watch it. I think. You know that everybody knows that money talks, and and that is of course you know a key element to it. But we saw usually the kickoff time for next weekend's games would have come out on Monday. That's just kind of how the SEC mm-hmm. does it. But they chose to do the six day exemption. They're going to announce it on Sunday. That one was a little bit of a red flag. Like hmm, makes you stroke your chin a little bit and think about what's going on. Then you see, you know, Arkansas. Uh, is dealing with some, some COVID-19 issues in their game you know, this weekend has moved. So maybe does that affect next weekend's game? And then of course that just easily allows them to, to slide that game maybe back to the 12th and then move the LSU game into that slide. So you know, there's a lot of things that have to happen. You have to shuffle things around, but it just seems more and more likely that they're going to try to make the Alabama LSU game happen. So sitting here on Tuesday, I would lean more toward Baton Rouge. Um, but anything is possible in this year, as we know. You know, expect the unexpected. But uh, I, I would go with Alabama playing LSU next weekend. Let me ask you this: Have you made any travel plans as of yet for December the fifth? I haven't yet. Um, I don't know if I'm I'll, <laughs> like if it, if it stays as is. I don't think I'll make the trip to Arkansas. Just so everyone knows, like going to the game, um, that's that's my favorite thing to do is to travel, go to these places to cover these things with with boots on the ground. But this year's just different. We don't get to do player interviews face to face. You don't get to, you know, uh, be in the scrum and talk to them immediately after the game and have follow up questions and things like that. The Zoom calls during the season have been easy. They've been, you know, sitting at home, um, you know, at a desk and just, you know, doing the zoom call, whatever it, it's been, you know, pretty seamless, but after the game, it's, it's not very good. And so there's just not a lot of value in, in traveling to a fail. I know I'm, I'm over answering the question right now, but I just, no, I got if, you. If, I mean, if the game the val- is in Arkansas, val- I probably won't go. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, what value there is this year is, you know, the the pregame stuff that you do so well, um, you know, and and that. But I, I don't know if people totally understand the the restrictions this year, and they're understandable. But you're essentially going to the press box access, going in the press box, and that's where you're at until you leave the press box after you do the post game zoom and things like that to go back to your car and leave. I mean, that's essentially where the access begins and ends, right? Correct. And yeah. so that's, that's a pricey trip to go sit in the press box and do the zoom call instead of sitting um, at my desk and doing <laughs> it. So uh, it, but I will say, um, you know, if, if it, if it's in Baton Rouge, I will, I will go to that game. That is clearly an easier trip to make than Arkansas. I've been to every game this season, home and away. Um, so that's my only hiccup is, um, it depends, you know, you, you have could to, be that you have both like that. Yeah. That's yeah. True. Yeah. Could be, could be bad Rouge the fifth and then Fayetteville the 12th, if it works out that way. But, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And I, I think you hit on it. I mean, some of the cards have been sort of already put on the table in terms of what might be coming. I mean, you're seeing it already in the league this weekend with some adjustments being made to the schedule. So, I think it's a bit of a precursor of what we can likely expect to see once we get to the 5th, the 12th. And for some of the teams, the teams not playing in the SEC championship game on the 19th, certainly in play for that weekend as well. Well, Charlie, safe travels to the B. Does Boaz have a nickname? I just gave it one. If it doesn't, I, I nicknamed it the B. Uh, is there a nickname for, for Boaz? No, I think the, the sign is <laughs> it's, uh, the city of possibilities, but I don't know how true that one is. I, I mean, like that. Well, you know, you know well. Buzz used to be the outlet capital of the state. It Absolutely, is no longer, man. It is no longer that. Yeah. There's there's hardly anything over those outlets. There, I mean, that was the that way up until I, I got to or I, I moved away from home. Like I worked and the outlets, you know, growing up when I could get a job, that or the rec center. But now it's, um, the other places around it are growing up more, you know, Aberville, Gunnersville, Gadsden, and Boaz is, is, is not really. So sorry for anybody from Boaz out there that's listening, but it, it's the truth. Well, I did my part, Boaz folks. I gave it a nickname, <laughs> the B, the B to the Z, we could call it, right? Yeah. yeah. Boaz. All right, my man. Well, uh, as always, great stuff with us. Great stuff there at Bama Online with us as well. And for the rest of you, if you haven't subscribed to the Bama Online podcast, you should certainly do that. We've got we've got Hank South coming up after the break. But uh, have a good one, Charlie. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, man. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Happy Thanksgiving to Charlie. And we'll be back with Hank South to talk some Alabama recruiting when the Bama Online podcast returns right after this. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch and how you can discover this new level of softness with their iconic sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% responded that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They source the rarest 100% organic cotton for an incredible softness to start. 
then they skip the toxins and harsh chemicals for a natural feel unlike anything else, and it all comes together with their signature weave. This special design feels buttery, breathable, and unlocks new levels of softness with every wash, and they stand behind their promise of softness. With their 30-night guarantee, you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. If during the 30 nights you don't love your sheets or feel them getting softer and softer, you can send them right back. No questions asked. So head to bowlandbranch.com for 15% off your first order with code ODYSSEY. That's B-O-L-L and branch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast. It is a midweek edition of the pod. A Thanksgiving special of sorts. We're incorporating a couple of members of the BamaOnline.com staff with us. We get you ready for Turkey Day. And as promised, time to check in with Hank South. Does an outstanding job covering recruiting for us there at BOL. Hank, as I bring you on here, what is the preparedness level for Thanksgiving as far as the South clan is concerned? Where are you guys at as we get closer and closer here? We got out in front of it. We're, we are ready to go. We did our grocery shopping. We got the turkey last week, so it's been thawing since Monday. Nice. And then uh, we, we got everything else, yes, or I guess on Monday. So uh, we, we're ready to go. We'll see. This is the first year we're actually, you know, usually you go to your parents' house. Or we go to my wife's parents' house, and, you know, we bring a side or something. But this is obviously a different year, so we're, we're trying it on our own this year. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that'll be cool. You got a couple of the little ones now, yep. and uh, yeah, that's kind of the way we're dealing with it, too. It sucks, but I think that's kind of the way we're having to approach it, just the, the kids and, and the wife and myself. And uh, yep. Now, let me ask you this. Will it just be the turkey as the standalone protein, or will there be sort of a co-star with the turkey? Will you do a ham? Will you do maybe a roast? Or is it is it turkey exclusive for you guys? I think I have to devote all my attention to this turkey because I've never smoked <laughs> a turkey on a, oh, on a Weber it's grill. On you. So Ooh. we gotta. I, I gotta kind of just turn Pressure. my attention to that. But but my wife, she she's gonna do. She, we're going all out. We're doing the sweet potato casserole, uh, cornbread nice. dressing, green bean casserole. So. Uh, what about y'all? Are, y- are y'all ready to go? Hard to do your shopping? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've got the turkey kind of like you guys a few days ago. It is thawing as we speak as well. It will be roasted. I don't have the pressure like you have. Okay. You know, you, you're you going <laughs> to feel like you're entering a crystal ball prediction for you know a five star or something with this. Yeah, I could make or break, smoke. make or break Thursday for sure. Yeah. <laughs> could end up being a Griswold's like uh, turkey or something. But I look. You just go slow and low on those smokers, yeah, man. That's what you do. All right. I've done a brisket on that's it. I think I can do a turkey. Just gotta. Hey, if you can do a brisket, well, yeah, you ain't gonna. You're not gonna have any problem with I think a turkey. Be okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, uh, speaking of uh, what we wanted to get with you about, a couple of different things here on the podcast. I know you made the trip to see the Brockermeyer brothers here in the last week or so. Uh, I guess in the Fort Worth area, and give us a little overview of of that trip and unfortunately it it timed out with an injury to one of the two brothers yeah so uh they were actually uh in a playoff game in, in san antonio so kind of down to that all-american bowl stomping ground uh, uh at this at a, at a school i've actually never heard of but it was actually a really nice school it was called antonian prep um but they were playing their first round and they, they've had a crazy schedule they've had i think three weeks between 
three weeks between their last game. They, they've had all sorts of COVID cancellations they've been navigating. So uh, this was the first time they've played in a while. So I was, I was excited to see them. Uh, their team won, um, but unfortunately, James actually suffered a, a pretty nasty ankle injury um, in the second half. Uh, he, he actually had to go out on an ambulance. Um, he, he had a, a pretty nasty uh, ankle break, but, um, talking to, uh, their dad, Blake, um, it, he, he's getting his surgery on Wednesday, um, in Birmingham, actually, um, he, he's going to fly in, they're going to fly out same day. Um, and they're actually, they, they seem pretty optimistic that, that he might be good to go by the spring. So I, I don't think his 2021 campaigns in jeopardy, um, obviously, you know, they have to get in there and, and do the operation and, and see everything, but I, I don't think there's too much concern as, you know, as far as him being held out too long, but overall, you know, seeing seeing both of them play obviously james plays a little defensive line um for all saints as well um i think they won 47 to 28 but i mean both those guys are just punishing i mean they're they're creating all sorts of uh gaps for for the for the all saints running back he was actually a, a really good looking player himself um but yeah i mean tommy especially I, I put out some tweets um during the game i mean he, he was just putting guys on their backs consistently all night so it, it was fun to see them um fortunately not so much of a fun night for james but uh sounds like he's gonna be okay yeah i guess if they're going in and out of birmingham they're doing that to see dr lyle kane and the andrews sports medicine people who ironically enough if you've been paying attention to us there at BamaOnline.com, you saw the update on tuesday from charlie potter that dr lyle kane uh and the ua athletics orthopedic team uh has been the named the sec orthopedic team of the year by the southern orthopedic association so uh that would make sense because there there isn't any folks doing it better than uh the folks over in the the birmingham area so uh let's get into some visitors for the upcoming weekend because you know as we know because of this extended dead period that's really not something we've talked about a lot throughout the 2020 season but uh not a big number uh i'm guessing that between legacies and folks like that there'll be more than uh the three we're going to talk about but as far as guys that you know project to perhaps help finish out this 2021 cycle for alabama uh let us know wide receiver in the mix here uh from the state of california the the michigan commitment sounds like alabama might be going head up on one of its old assistants in this one, hey? Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see. It's funny because you know we all year it's been a dead period. It's been a dead period since March. We haven't had you know normal visits, but this week actually, and it's still the dead period um, until April fifteenth. Um, so it's still a ways to go, but it actually kind of feels like a big visitors weekend. And there's only you know three big targets um on campus i don't want to you know downplay the importance of having just three but um it kind of feels like one of those kind of build up all weeks you, you talk about um the top targets that are expected for for a big game i mean it feels like that but um the, the biggest name thus far and, and they're all important but uh the one that's generated the most buzz is xavier worthy who is a receiver committed to michigan currently and he's been a guy we've talked about you know since early summer um, late spring he got a bama offer back then um, from fresno california he's actually committed to michigan right now but um, he, he's going to take his first look at alabama this weekend and and of course like i said it's the dead period they can't have contact with the coaches they you know they, they can't do that but that doesn't stop them from buying a ticket and coming to the game and you know we, we've seen guys even spend 
time with guys on the team as much as they can with, you know, COVID restrictions and all that. Um, so he's going to get somewhat of that experience. He's going to get that game day, um, vibe. Um, he's going to be able to see campus, see Alabama, um, and get a feel for it. And, and we'll see where that goes because, you know, he, he's maintaining that he's, well, he's actually not maintaining that he's firmly committed to Michigan. I asked him yesterday and he said no comment. So that's got to be seen, seen as a, uh, a positive sign, I, I guess, going into it. I smell a flip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, he, it, it, it kind of just depends on who you talk to though. Cause you know, the, our, our Michigan guys, Sam Webb and, and those guys that, uh, cover Michigan really well up, um, uh, on 24 seven sports, he's telling them, you know, he's just having fun with it. He, he thinks it's funny seeing everyone freak out about this. And so, you know, we're going to have to see what happens, but you know, when you're making a cross country trip from California to, uh, to Alabama on your own dime, you know, that that's more than just, you know, thinking things yeah, are he, funny he, and, he and wanting coming to... <laughs> from Tupelo. Yeah. He, he didn't right. come coming from Meridian, right? Yeah. Fresno, exactly, California, yeah. right? He's yeah. making a little trek, especially if you consider just the distance of that trip and with everything happening right now with, with, uh, with coronavirus. I mean, he, he's taking a look, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to add a guy like Xavier worthy who Nick Saban has compared to Devonte Smith, um, pretty much the same kind of build coming out of high school, six, one, one sixty, um, and, and you know, route running speed, playmaking abilities all there when you turn on his tape. Um, and then two others, which I don't, you know, I've talking all about Xavier worthy, but, um, to Nisa Adelier, the defensive lineman from Texas, this will be his, he, he's expected to come. I, I, I like to emphasize expected because kids change their plans quickly, but he's saying he's coming, um, for the iron bowl from Texas. So that's a big visit right there. Um, as he kind of works towards his decision between Bama, Florida and Texas A&M. And then Terry and Arnold from uh, Tallahassee is making the trip over. It says he is. Um, and, and he's making, he's not making a decision until February, but still you want to get these guys on campus um, as much as you can, uh, you know, in the, in this kind of um, situation they're in with uh, the dead period. So three really big visits. We'll see if more added, like I, like you kind of hinted at it, but I, I think more commitments will be on campus. Um, you know, especially in-state guys, I'd, I would imagine are going to try to make their way over. Um, I know Dallas Turner, his, his dad told me they're trying to, figure out a way to come up from uh south florida so it should be you know a, a pretty good visitors turnout that you know we'll, we'll have uh, plenty to talk about following the weekend now with adelaide is it is there some question about his position i saw on the round table there was some discussion there between you and some of our outstanding members of bol about where exactly he fits into alabama's defense i guess six three two fifty ish i guess that makes him a candidate for a couple of different spots yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think so what he, what he has told us and told in other interviews is that Nick Saban, the staff, they want him as a pass rushing defensive end. So, uh, what, what, uh, what Adelia says when, uh, when he was asked is he said, his dad has some concerns about Alabama wanting to put 40 or 50 pounds on him and then him losing any sort of pass rush ability he has. Um, and that's not what Bama is saying. kind of they're, uh, maybe that's a little bit of a negative recruiting tactic we're seeing from other programs, whether it be, you know, A&M no. or Florida State or something. No, yeah, I can't man. imagine. Uh, I mean, come on, during a holiday week, <laughs> that would happen? Don't they so, at least take Thanksgiving week off from that, Hank? There's so no we'll, moratorium we'll, on that? Right, no, not, not this year, not in 2020. Uh, no, so that's I think that's kind of a hurdle other schools are looking at that he's trying to get over with Alabama, but uh, that that's obviously not what Bama's telling him. So, 
you know, they can't have that in-person contact on this visit, but you know, he's still talking to the staff very frequently. Uh, you know, he's going to be around the other recruits. He's going to get that kind of Bama feel again, because remember he's named Bama, his leader in the past. He was, he kind of seemed on the verge of committing back in the summer of 2019, uh, before, before holding off. So we'll see how this kind of turns out and, and where kind of the, the buzz is, is, uh, is headed after, uh, this weekend with him. Also, you mentioned Terry and Arnold, the outstanding defensive back prospect from Tallahassee, Florida. Now, is he close to naming a top five here in the next week or so, Hank? Yeah, that's his plan. He's going to put out a top five on December 1st, and uh, and he's still saying that he's going to wait until February to to announce a decision and sign because, obviously, you know, he's not enrolling early. Uh, he's playing basketball in the uh, in the spring, so he, he's got that um, going. So we'll see. I, you know, I'd be shocked if Alabama was not in his top five. I actually still have my crystal ball prediction on Alabama, uh, but, you know, th- there's a lot of buzz about Florida. Some, many think that Florida's the team to beat for him. Georgia's in the conversation a lot. Um, and then the other two, we'll see probably Florida state and, um, maybe LSU, maybe Texas A&M. I'm not, I'm not really sure who that fifth team would be. And I don't want to obviously spoil his top five, but I, those are kind of the teams that are talked about the most, but, uh, Bama's always been in the conversation. He has a very close relationship with, uh, with Charles Kelly, with South and Um, and obviously, you know, he's, he's kind of like, um, you know, Quincy McKinstry in that he's actually looking at playing basketball at the next level as well. And, and he, he's been told he has that opportunity at Alabama, um, for, from, uh, Nate Oates and, and Brian Hodgson. So, um, yeah, another, another big visit, but nothing we'll see, you know, kind of come to a conclusion until at least at this point, February. As we let you get out of here and, uh, get that smoker ready to throw yep. that, uh, that butter ball on there. Um, we're basically a month away from the early signing period for the 2021 recruiting cycle for football Never too early, though, as the 2022 start to reveal themselves more and more to look ahead to even next year. And I know that you had an update on a very legitimate quarterback target from the state of Tennessee who was recently in Tuscaloosa for the Kentucky game. Yeah, Ty Simpson is a name to know. Um, you know, we obviously we recently saw Quinn Ewers, um, who was a big Bama quarterback target in the 22 class. He he decommitted from Texas, then committed to Ohio State. So uh, I don't foresee him changing his mind again there. But uh, Ty Simpson has been a consistent name. Um, among the quarterback ranks, he threw for the staff back in in the summer of 2019. Got his offer off that performance, and obviously, you know what he had done up to that point. Um, he's been to Bama six times. Well, we were talking about it the other night. He said he thinks it's five or six times. I think it's six because the last time we talked, he named each visit and it was five. So I think he's been to campus six times, which that's I think the school he's visited most, if not Tennessee, right there. Um, with six visits as well. So, um, he, he is very familiar with Alabama. Obviously this wasn't a normal recruiting visit. He just went in the crowd and then he hung out, um, with some of the players following the game, uh, for a little bit, obviously, again, you know, these guys are under kind of strict COVID protocol. Um, so, he got that that visit in. He actually said he wants to come back for another game if he can. Um, I'm not sure because uh, he's going to Clemson this weekend. So unless you know something gotcha. happens to schedule to where LSU or uh, who knows if Bama has another home game, which I, I don't anticipate after the Iron Bowl, uh, he, he wants to get back. So we'll see. But um, yeah, big time target. I, I think it could come down to Bama and Clemson for him. Uh, he's not really naming favorites right now, but those are kind of the two teams talked about most at this point. Uh, and yeah, he's, he's an interesting one to watch for sure. Well, there you go. Always great stuff from Hank South. I'm sure that turkey on Thanksgiving is going to be super with all the casseroles and the desserts 
and everything else. But Hank, as always, we appreciate the time, my man. Have a great holiday and we'll do it again soon. Hey, y'all too. Thanks, Travis. There he goes. Hank South as we put a wrap on the latest edition of the Bama Online Podcast. We certainly hope you and yours have an outstanding Thanksgiving holiday. But we're going to continue to grind right there at Bama Online. As you heard from Hank, there is recruiting news to continue to track throughout Iron Bowl week. And, of course, we will have you covered wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling with the Alabama perspective from the matchup against the Auburn Tigers on Saturday afternoon at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Until next time, have a great holiday. We'll do it again real soon. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.